Welcome to Backstory, the show that explains the history behind today's headlines. I'm Nathan Connolly. And I'm Brian Ballow. If you're new to the podcast, Nathan, Ed Ayers, Joanne Freeman, and I are all historians. Each week, we explore the history of one topic that's been in the news. Today, we're going to start off in Charleston, South Carolina, where a Purple Heart was just awarded to a World War I veteran for his heroic service 100 years ago. It, it, was, it was absolutely great. Um, I, I, I get kind of emotional, particularly when uh, something this near and dear to my heart is undertaking. And um, so I got a little teary-eyed. That was Perry James, grandson of World War I veteran and Purple Heart winner, Sergeant Perry Lloyd. And after I was finished, I wish I said that soldiers don't cry, soldiers don't cry. But then I realized I was a sailor. (laughs) (laughs) And they do cry. (laughs) Yeah. But it, but in all seriousness, um, I, I tend to take life with the glass half full. And right. um, I, I don't fault anybody for my grandfather not getting the recognition. Um, I'm grateful to be in the position to do the research and to give back to the community and to right. receive such a wonderful honor on behalf of um, my grandfather. And my mother, she was sitting there. She's uh, 88 years old. Her name is Elise Uh James, Elise Lloyd James. And when we first found out about um, my grandfather's wounding, she had forgotten about it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. she said, yeah, I do remember him saying that he was wounded about the head. And she said, well, Perry, uh, I just want you to get me his purple heart. Mm. And and you just really don't tell Elise Lloyd James no. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what sent you on your mission. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I was on my yeah. mission, and when we got the actual email, I was at her house, got the email that we, my grandfather had been war- awarded the Purple Heart. You would have thought we won that one billion dollar lottery that's out there. Wow! Now you ended up going to France to retrace your grandfather's steps. Uh, absolutely. What was uh, that like? Oh, there's a big smile that comes on my face every time I think about it. <laughs> I'm thanking all the lucky stars that I had this opportunity to go over because it afforded me a chance to actually go to the site in France where my grandfather had been wounded a hundred mm. year a hundred years to the day. Wow. So if you can imagine being out in a tall hill surrounded by vast amounts of of land and look at a monument there that is dedicated to the African-American soldiers that lost their lives. Right. And to look at that monument and see the name of a gentleman by the name of William Lang. And before I went over, I found out that Mr. Lang was grew up actually a half a mile from where my where I grew up. Mm. So there was a real connection and to witness the name of someone uh, on the monument, to note that they were killed, and to just think that your grandfather could name could have been on that monument 
it is a surreal, real moment. So I have to ask you, this experience of going all the way to France and finding a monument commemorating the 371st, what do you feel when you see that, especially when you think about the struggle it takes to commemorate African-American veterans in the United States? It's disappointing and disheartening uh, because Mm -hmm. of my awareness now, particularly of my grandfather and the other men in the 371st Colored Infantry Regiment. It's a big part of our history that's missing. And in this world of tension between the races, it's just a great opportunity to share with other Americans, particularly white Americans who uh, sometimes don't even know that African Americans fought in the Great War and fought gallantly um, and um, were brave soldiers. And so it's disheartening. However, I have to realize that's, that's the country that I was born in. This is a country that I served in the military of and a lot of my other family members, uh, you just have to go about and tell as many people as you can. And, and that's my mission. I, I, in a general conversation, I just can't help but tell somebody, hey, do you know that, uh, or let me tell you that my grandfather was a World War I veteran who earned the Purple Heart and who made sergeant in four months. Mm. As we sit here in 2018, 2019, and look back on World War I, what should we remember about the Great War, and and what do you think we should remember about African Americans' role in it in particular? Well, I I think part of it is to recognize that the turn of the century was a time when when civil rights actually gained a little momentum because Mm. uh, leaders like W.E.B. Du Bois— and other notable leaders in the African-American community were very disappointed that there was not any space in the United States Army for African-Americans to go to combat. Traditionally, the only thing African-American soldiers could do back then was labor-intensive jobs, like uh, unload freight cars, uh, cook the meals, uh, dig graves and and bury the dead. The the African American community at the turn of the century felt that through combat, African American men could show their mettle, they could show their dedication to the United States, uh, and they could show their willingness to serve, in hopes of gaining respect in the white community. And initially, there was not going to be any African-American combat troops. But because of the protest launched by these early civil rights leaders, uh, the federal government decided that, yeah, okay, we'll allow for four African-American, at the time, colored regiments. Just thinking about all the ways in which the local politics of race played out in the military really makes the service itself seem that much more heroic. Absolutely, it does. And, and, and you know, I can only imagine my grandfather and his troops fighting for a country that saw them as 
not even citizens, uh, not even second-class citizens, and who, if when they came back home, if these African Americans could ha- um, wore their uniforms, they would be lynched or, or beaten up. And mind you, that's a uniform that you were, were fighting in, and and you mm-hmm. get shot and you spilled your blood. But you can't wear that uniform when you come back home. So it was a, a distressing feeling for them. The uh, the group that my grandfather was in was nicknamed the Red Hands. And mm. they were nicknamed that um, because of all the German blood that was shed by those hands. And so they were were pretty geeked up. Formidable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were more formidable. <laughs> But that patch uh, was a symbol of accomplishment, uh, a symbol of their manhood. And the Army did not want them to come back to the United States uh, confident and cocky, for lack of a better term. So they actually made them strip the red hand patch off of their clothing before they boarded the transport ship back to the United States. However, and... I'm a reenactor. I wear my grandfather's uniform, and I wear his red hand patch proudly today. 